You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Mr. Alex. G'day, how's it going? Alex, g'day. Wow, I like that. What's the accent? Um, Australian. Australian. Okay, well tell me, please, who are you and what do you do professionally? Yeah, so um, my name's Alex. I live in Philadelphia right now. Um, and I have a food truck in a shop called Paper Mill Fresh Asian Kitchen. We do this dope thing called a burrito, which is a fresh spring roll burrito wrapped in rice paper. Um, and I, I kind of say it's like a fresh Asian inspired Chipotle, um, that we do on the truck in the shop. And I moved over here from Australia, Sydney, Australia, about three years ago, um, followed my heart over here. That's what I kind of say. And, uh, yeah, the business, which started out as a food truck here, just really kicked off. And, um, earlier this year, we opened a shop. Yeah, you literally are pulling up my heartstrings right now when you just said that cuisine style, because I'm a big fan of Mexican food and at the same time, a big fan of, I would say, Asian food as well. Sushi. I mean, I have this story up. So I have this joke about California rolls at a gas station. The reason why is if anybody has any intelligence in them whatsoever, which I seem to have not, which is don't get gas station sushi. Well, I went into 7-Eleven. They had gas station sushi for like three bucks. I was like, I'll take some. Got very sick that night. And I kept buying it until the owner took it down. He was like, I'm not going to sell this to you. I was like, you're going to sell it to me. and I'm going to keep eating it until you take it down. And eventually I walked in there. You didn't have them up anymore. Oh, wow, man. You had to be the one that ended up ending that amazing sushi that was there. I mean, <laughs> for the price, it was pretty good. Like, I always say if I'm going to get, like, Chinese food or something, I'd rather go to, like, a buffet to where I can grab, like, plates upon plates of California rolls. Yeah. Because, dude, <laughs> it's not easy to find that type of food for a good price. Everywhere you go, it's like I ordered uh, from a Chinese restaurant, got it delivered to my house. It was, like, 40 dollars for, like, maybe the size of, like, I don't even know, like, a burger patty of sushi rolls i'm like what is this they're like that's what you ordered the ahi tuna rolls i was like this is like i could go to the panda buffet spend half and get quadruple until i puke oh man Uh, i totally like feel that unless you have pictures or you have a recommendation from someone it really is hit or miss on those websites um so you know those places that you've never ordered before but at least you gave it a try and now you know for next time right what, what made you uh, want to start at least like with your food truck? Like, so, okay. So tell me the name again. Uh, paper mill. Paper mill. Okay. So why, why did you choose paper mill and why, why did you even invest, want to get into the food trucking scene? Because like we met through a mutual friend of ours, um, you know, I'm repping his shirt right now. Shameless plug to Farmstead Foods, uh, Bobby right. Dumont, but um, it's not an easy game. Uh, I know a few food truckers. Uh, Vinny Silva owns a steak and cheese sub kind of place in New Jersey. It's not, it, you know, there's a lot of competition. The problem is trying to find where the people's at. It's pretty cool because if you ever come across a food truck, like if you're just an average customer, it's like, whoa, what is this? And then next thing you know, they're tossing out these like weird creations. We're like, wow, this is amazing. But the fact that you have to roam 
the fact that you don't really get a, a claim spot. And then if you do enter into a territory, you set up camp next thing you know, you got competition with another guy that comes by is like, this is my corner. Get off my corner, bub. You're like, Holy crap, man. I'm just trying to serve. People. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's what it can really feel like sometimes. And yeah, getting into this wasn't something that I thought I would. I started off, uh, I studied business, was working in accounting and insurance and all that kind of stuff. So I definitely came into the game with like, you know, a business mind. And I mean, even if you study business, doesn't mean you know how to run a business. Um, and a lot of the food I learned from my mom and um, the food we do and the reason why I call it paper mill, um, Vietnamese rice paper rolls are made with rice paper. And I was thinking of a name and I thought, you know, paper mill, milling out rice paper, making paper, you know what I mean? It just seemed like a really nice homely name that could be put on the side of a food truck eventually. And that's what I just stuck with. I didn't want to think about it too much and I kind of stuck with it. Um, I guess coming into it in Philadelphia, I mean, I did follow a girl over here. So that's also the reason I brought paper mill here. And I got to say to you, it's a good question because when I first, like when the truck was made, it was wrapped, it, you know, it, it was, it, it was great. But where do you take it? Like you said that you, you go on someone's territory. We go into Fishtown in Philadelphia and there's people that park their cars there two days prior just to secure the spot. It's, it can be brutal in a lot of ways. And you go to another county. You don't have the permitting there and the health department calls you and the fire department wants to check all your fire extinguishers. It, it can be, it was really tough at the start, but like with anything, as you persevere through it and aim, like really learn how it works, you, you just become naturally smarter about it. We uh, utilize a lot of technology. Uh, I put a lot of time into like training staff and making sure everyone's on board with the menu. And I guess when we're, uh, one thing that I've really, well, one thing that I really like as part of the business is what you said, which is when customers are like walking past the truck, how do you get their attention? Uh, people eat with their eyes. They eat with their nose when they smell. And like when it comes to the menus, to the open, big open window on the side of the truck, so you can see the food being made in front of you. There's a lot of elements to it, which, um, I guess, you know, I really like employed to, to make it work. And um, it's constant, it's just a constant cycle of refining and improving all the time. And when you have friends like Bobby at Farmstead, um, always throwing ideas off each other, giving each other places to go to um, running the business can a lot of times really feel seamless, especially when you have a good team behind you. And it's, it's kind of hard too, because with Bobby, he's such a, he's such a proudful guy where he doesn't really yep. want to ask for anybody's help. But I mean, he's given me some <laughs> of the best advice too, but like I'm the one that Photoshopped his face onto an avocado. Oh, uh, was that yeah, you? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it, I told him just reach out. Like, don't, don't be afraid to ask for help. But like, I mean, I get it because of part of the industry. The problem is what really enlightened me about the food trucking industry and really gave me a huge respect on just restaurant in general is the fact of when you're doing it, a restaurant, it is busy. It's hard to keep up with orders. Sometimes there's a lot of rules and regulations you got to go by in the the kitchen now that gets twice as hard when you're doing that into a food truck not only do you have to keep the maintenance up on your truck to make sure everything's functioning properly making sure you have the correct ingredients you're also coming to a place well i mean your style of food is going to be a little bit easier to sell to a lot of people than if you opened up like a cheesesteak place and like a place that's known for cheesesteaks because surprisingly nowadays people just want something that's new people want something that's different from what they're used to having i live in a seafood town so if you're offering me seafood, I'm like, eh, like I, I eat that 24 seven. Can I get something a little bit unique? So when you're going and you're starting a food truck and you're trying to start it into a new place or new uh, area, you're got to figure out like, okay, we're doing a new cuisine. 
You know, these people are used to barbecue. These people are used to sandwiches. We're going to bring a whole new style of cuisine that's going to bring in a whole new thing of audience, people that want that, oh, I want that Chinese food or I want that certain style of food. I want, you know, the list goes on and on. When you transfer over to a place like this, now you're thinking of, okay, we got these customers that we can go to, but then you got to worry about where am I going to park my truck? Where, 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 when I go, am I going on someone else's territory where the point where like, Hey, this is my corner. You can't sell here. Or you go out in front of somebody's business. You have to talk to the business owner and let them know that you're selling out there. You have to go by all these rules and regulations. And then each state has different mandate codes from, Oh, you, where can you go on this part? How many hours can you sell here at a certain spot? I'm like, shit, you guys go through a lot just to be able to cook your food and make people happy. Yeah, no, that's pretty accurate. I think uh, everyone uh, is in a constant, uh, constantly thinking about how to convince someone to buy their food wherever they go, going to the beach, going to a business park, going into Center City, Philadelphia, or going to University City, or going out to a fair in Bucks County. Everyone uh, you have the opportunity to sell your food and do well everywhere, but unless it's done in the wording, in the pictures, in the way that the people there need to hear or see or smell it in order for it to be accessible is the only way you really are able to sell to them. So everything you said is definitely like pretty on point. I'm sure that, uh, yeah, a lot of food truckers will like understand. And I mean, the reality of it is as well, especially early on when you're trying to figure out this stuff, you're prepping the same amount of food. You're prepping a lot of, you know, meats, protein, stuff that you can only use once. You have to sell it that night and you turn up somewhere and your menu is just off and you don't have the time to change it because you printed it off. You know, you know, you go out somewhere, they don't want to see the word tofu. They'll just completely walk past your truck because they see something like that. Whereas if you had maybe made the signage, maybe you printed off a picture of, you know, beef tacos you'd absolutely kill it just because of some small element like that for the night. So I think you get smarter as you go on. Um, but those are issues that, I mean, we experience every single week, particularly during this time right now where customer spending is just all over the place. With um, the, the name Paper Mill, what did you want to inspire with that name? What were you trying to say? Because I feel like with a food truck, like we're talking about the whole thing's kind of, seems like you got to capitalize on the advertising, the marketing, the pictures, what type of stuff people are going to see. Because, I mean, if you walk down in my town in Ocean City, we have a boardwalk, okay? So it's a lot of tourist attractions like carnival rides, carnival games. Like it looks like you're just walking out of, at a fair or something. So everything's like giant sign that says fucking funnel cakes. Like, hey, come down. This is what you're going to get. You want a double fried Oreo? It's going to kill you, but hey, eat it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's that whole thing, but they have giant pictures of it. And I'm like, besides putting it on your truck and marketing that way, like when you, when you say the word paper mill, like when people walk by it, it's got to be able to grab their attention. Something that's so unique where it's like, huh? Or it's got to have literally what you're going to eat in the name. Yeah, I feel you. So on our truck, it says paper mill home of this burrito. And I think people, I literally see them walk past a truck and you can see their words, the words come out of their mouth, you can lip read, they're like, home of this burrito. And you kind of get a buzz because you can see that they're kind of questioning what that is. Um, I, I, I did, I do have this uh, conversation with some people, people like, just call your business burritos, the burrito hut, the burrito, this burrito, that. But the thing is, I, when I kind of look into the future, um, into the longer term, you know, if I did want to open up a shop, if I want to promote the fact that we do great salads and hoagies and sides and beverages, I felt like the burrito and to be limiting it, the name to that 
although it is catchy, um, wouldn't really translate if I did ever want to really blow it up like Chipotle. Um, I think that paper mill, when you think of it in a shop sense or paper mill, fresh Asian kitchen, which is what I promote it as, you know, it, it, it seems like a more general, well-rounded way to like access the market. For example, I figured out when I go to try to land corporate events, staff appreciation days, turn up to a business park, if I approach them in my email as paper mill home of the Spirito, a lot of them would just think I'm a gimmick. Oh, the Spirito, okay, great, next one. But if I do paper mill fresh Asian kitchen, it kind of evokes a lot of, you know, I guess emotions when you're, you're reading that and you see pictures and it's like fresh, you know, the wholesome name in the long run for me. So I think you're absolutely right. I've been to the, the shore, Ocean City, Maryland. I've seen, I've had that uh, funnel cake spiel and a lot of those times, you know, you're looking for that impulse buy. Um, but now that we have the truck and now that we have the shop open, I really want to build that community around the whole business and all the items that we have, not just one product. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the time, if you look at like, when you're saying don't limit yourself to a name, people are like, why don't you just call it burrito? I'm like, I think the whole point is you want it to sound exotic. You want it to, someone to read it and stop and then take a double take at it. You know what I mean? And yeah. what really sucks is there's a lot of people out here that are just afraid of trying something new. I mean, I'm at fault. I like to stick to the same thing sometimes too. But I mean, if I paired up your truck next to Chipotle, most of the people are going to go to Chipotle only on the factor of it's the fucking name. And honestly, Chipotle is not even that good. I would rather go to like a, like a, a, a food truck. I would rather go to like a, you know, a mom and pop shop to be able to get something like that. But they're just so known for that. And like a lot of people don't even know that it's owned by McDonald's Corporation. But I'm like, this is the problem is that we talk about supporting people, but nobody wants to actually support the businesses. And it's like very, very hard because now everybody's going under new rules and regulations based on everything that's happened in 2020 so far, you know, mask, all these other things. It's, it's, it seemed like probably for food trucks has taken a bit of a hit only on the factor of, you know, they, it's hard for a, a building to be sanitary, I would say, then people don't really rely in the trust of a food truck. But I'm like, it's actually probably better at a food truck because they got to buy all their ingredients fresh. So everything's not sitting there contaminated inside of a place. Not you don't have too many hands going on it. You just have, you know, one person that is definitely taking their time and care into providing and making sure they get everything that they need to sell throughout the day too. But like you're selling, like you're saying, selling, um, everything that you basically get all in that same day with a lot of your leftover stuff, do you plan on doing anything with those instead of just throwing it out? Yeah, we've had to become very lean with how we prep stuff um, at the shop. We're kind of prepping stuff as we go. So as orders come in during the day when we're doing delivery and takeout, we're literally like chopping up peppers and apples on the spot just to really mitigate waste. Um, in regards to leftovers, that's also a very tricky conversation because a lot of um leftovers you can't just donate you can if you're on uh well from what i understand anyway it has to be like perfectly temper controlled tracked and like you are at i guess if you do donate it in some respects you are putting it at risk if it's not handled perfectly after that like there's a lot of traceability issues with that um as it stands our wastage is quite good so we don't have to worry about like throwing away tons of food every day especially now where we kind of understand how much product we have to go through in a day. Um, but yeah, we're generally pretty good with 
with that. We haven't been in a situation where we've had to dump a lot of food at the end of the day at all. Have you tried to sign up for more like community organization events or types of charities to be able to like maybe get the name out there a little bit? Like what have you done so far besides driving around to be able to get the name out there? I got to tell you. So on March 2nd, we opened our shop and it was a very busy time. I was beyond anything I expected. Two weeks later, it was my birthday. And a day after that, the World Health Organization called coronavirus a pandemic. And then shortly after that, we closed the shop. So that was a huge, um, like a huge, like just punch to the gut. We closed the shop, food trucks were banned in Philadelphia. And I had to get really creative. So when it comes to uh, community engagement, signing up for things, we, we pretty much did everything. Um, in early April, we collaborated with another food cart called uh, Tabachoy Filipino Food. And as part of that collab that we did over two weeks, we had the frontline uh, meal initiative where we were going on Instagram, asking our customers to pay $5 for a meal, which we would make, um, prep, package, and send to local COVID testing sites in Philadelphia. Um, and we found that that was a great, uh, great, great way to outreach and still you know, just be active and uh, continue our passion uh, and that was great. Uh, I think over the course of the time, we probably did over 500 meals um, between us, or even more potentially. Uh, and at the time when you know, the hospitals all over the country, um, particularly in the cities, were really under stress, um, that kind of outreach was definitely uh, one I'm glad that we did, but one that was well received by the community and the people that got the food on the front line. Um, that's one thing that we did. Uh, more recently, uh, with a lot of the protests, I guess... Uh, we kind of did look a bit inward and see what we were actually doing in the community. It is hard to really be in that position when your business is literally like bleeding money every single day. When the restaurant industry arguably has been one of the hardest hit industries of all. But it's funny that you see a lot of food businesses still feed people, even out of their own pocket, which is what we did. Um, we ran a meal for meal promotion throughout June where for every meal that you, uh, every meal that you, ordered through us, we'd match it and prep a meal for uh, some, uh, a lot of refugees and minority communities in South Philadelphia. Um, and yeah, we did that over the course of June. And um, now we've partnered with them throughout July and we're gonna continue to be doing 100 meals a week for them. Um, and moreover, yeah, it's just like a lot of the other things that we've done just with just random promos that we've done or Instagram stories. We've, we've done a lot to engage our community. And for the first time I'd say in the whole business that we've had in Philadelphia, I'm really seeing like that kind of be realized in the business. I'm getting so many more Instagram messages, so many more phone calls asking where we are. And I think that a lot of that community outreach, which you're asking about was probably the best, some of the most rewarding stuff that we did, but I think that it's definitely helped us uh, stay afloat throughout this whole crazy time. I looked at when we had the shutdown and everything that was going on, and I don't want to go super into the COVID because I know people are tired of hearing it on a podcast, but yep. when you look at how everything shut down, I think the craziest thing was when like the first week or so you saw all these restaurants and stuff be open soon. Sorry, we're closed, you know, uh, till next further notice or something. And sooner or later it was like months and months and months. And a lot of them weren't posting anymore. And then it was getting people worried, like, what's going on? What's happening? Are you guys okay? And it's very, very hard because restaurants, I mean, you start buying more stuff, start getting more things. Next thing you know, your bills get higher. Next thing you know, you got to basically, your 
you're just surviving off the amount of people. You got to make a good day. You got to make a good day. Well, now we shut down and then like trying to get those customers back was so hard. But a lot of people found the loyalty. For instance, like um, a long time ago, we had a giant hurricane here called Hurricane Sandy. Um, it completely, they shut down all of Ocean City. So Ocean City is connected by two bridges and it's basically on like a little bit of an island, I would say. So you got the ocean on one side and the bay on the other. Well, the water level rise so high that it flooded basically the first floor and a half. My dad was the only person besides some other business owners that stayed in Ocean City because Damn. he had to be on the radio. So he was sitting there keeping all those people like, yo, hey, like I'm here with you. I'm going to try and talk you guys through a lot of this stuff. And a lot of these people are scared with their radios and sandbags piled up to the door trying to stop water from coming into their business before they destroyed it. Mm. So um, hearing like, you know, just talking to my dad on the phone because I happened to be a state away because, you know, as soon as the, everything started going, he's like, I want you out of here. And this was when I was like a kid. So he's telling me, he's like, yeah, I'm trying to keep all these business people, you know, they need support right now. All this that's going on and everything, which is kind of what happened with what's going on, you know, with the pandemic situation. We just want to know you guys are there. We want to make sure everybody's okay. We, just, we all want to support each other. We just lost this mm. train of thinking when we go out and go buy something because you see advertisements for McDonald's or all these main giant brands and you're losing the sense of real food. Because you yeah. just want what's so popular. And what was interesting was after Hurricane Sandy was over and we were able to come back into town, so many people gave my dad gift cards to their restaurants. Like you kept wow. us freaking in hope. You were the only radio <laughs> station we could tune into. My dad was like, yep, I'm just doing my job, that type of thing. But it was so interesting to see because like with this pandemic situation, when as the first day we opened up, the businesses started coming back. So many people were out there supporting. And I think that was the major thing. And they're talking about another shutdown. I mean, it's July 16th. So whatever's going to happen in two weeks, three weeks, a month, a year, if we look back on this podcast, it's a fact of what, what's going to happen if they shut down again. I mean, the whole factor is people are going to still need food. You're going to leave essential giant corporations open like Walmart. What about these people like you that are fighting to survive? I mean, not in the sense of the money aspect, more in the sense of you've got a business you're trying to promote and you're trying to grow. You can't really do that if everybody's stuck in their homes unless you're going to do, yeah, Uber food trucks, man. <laughs> That's way better than Uber, dude. You could drop burritos at people's doorsteps, just toss it right on there like a newspaper like back in the day. <laughs> I'm telling you, we actually had an idea that we're going to do because we have a couple of speakers on the outside of our truck. We're going to play a song. We're trying to figure out whether it would be an Australian song or some West Philadelphia song and drive land down around under. the neighborhoods. Land down, yeah, literally play Land Down Under, speaking into a microphone just like an ice cream truck and try to get a bit of buzz in the community just like doing that. Literally, at our lowest point, we're thinking of things like this. So, yeah, no, it's, um, you know, you, got, you definitely got to get creative with this. And you're right, when, when you are in lockdown and when we were in lockdown, you were thinking of ways to not only just, you know, make money, but just keep busy mentally as someone that's always doing stuff, always doing stuff with their hands, cooking, cleaning, driving. I mean, you, you're just itching to do something being at home cooped up is, is it's like a, it's like a literally a death sentence. So, um, yeah, if they, man, if they lock down on July 16, who knows what's going to happen? Um, or if they lock down again, 
what have you thought of creative wise to add on to the um, business a little bit, like new ideas or anything? Like you talked about the kind of playing the music thing. Have you thought about anything <laughs> that you wanted to kind of show to the world a little bit when you guys reopened and you're able to sell again? Um, I think it's definitely uh, like made us rethink how to, uh, how to, I guess, how to keep money coming into the business. And you wouldn't believe it, but instead of food truck festivals, music festivals, corner corners in the center of the city the money is actually being made um right now in apartment blocks because apartments are where all of the corporate workers are because they live there they're high density so we've literally been calling apartment blocks all over philadelphia all up in back bucks county trying to get our truck there five days a week at five different apartment blocks so creativity can look like that literally just looking at an avenue that you didn't see before but like capitalizing on that. And just to let you know, like if you're living in an apartment block, we would as a food truck be calling them up. We'll be like, hey, you've got the emails of all the people in that apartment block. Here's our ordering link. Please send it to them. We'll be coming on Friday. And that's a very small like marketing. It's like, it's, it really is a novel marketing. Uh, like to get your ordering link into the hands of hundreds of families is unheard of right now. That's what every business is trying to do. Amazon is the only business that has that kind of reach. But for that one night, we're able to like get money, like good money come through the door that we're not really able to get elsewhere. So creativity can be like that. I guess on a more fun aspect though, I'd love to do more ads. Like I'd like to make, you know, five to 10 second videos on Instagram, like about, you know, just mocking millennials about ordering avocado, like, and trying to I freaking hate avocado. avocado. <laughs> I told I told Bobby I hate avocado. He's like, "What? Whoa. You hate avocado?" I was like, "You don't trust a fruit that you have to cut <laughs> at a certain minute through a day of the week. Like, oh, you can only cut this uh, avocado in August second of the third hour of the day." You're like, "Hang on a second. What happens <laughs> if I'm not home for the third hour of the day?" Yeah, that's but, that's a perfect way to put it, man. They can be. It's like you have that golden zone that you can uh or that golden time for you to like cut it open and enjoy it and once you're past that it's gone sometimes they're really expensive i remember them being like four bucks a piece at one point you know and you can't be making mistakes at that point <laughs> there's a there's a deep uh deep probably religious uh kind of quote you can pull out of an avocado about the beauty not lasting forever and it's only worth one moment and don't lose that moment <laughs> but i'm not looking for it at all let me tell you something but i think that's yep pretty interesting like if you call like apartment buildings and ask like mm. hey you know if you don't mind call some of the patrons or call some of the people that are living in this building and let them know that we're going to be out front and give them discounted prices on the fact of being able to feed families because i mean this was a hard time for a lot of people weren't working and the whole yeah. factor was like businesses like a lot, they i know you need the money but at the same time like you got to see a lot of companies step up that were like hey we're supportive of the people here and they discounted their prices they cut them down just for people to be able to afford because it was a moment I think we were all kind of scared but I think what was interesting was to see how everybody was kind of handling it seeing what businesses were doing oh thinking of ideas and thinking of ways and experience too and plus you're in Philadelphia that's one of the most creative spots in the United States I would say only like when it comes to art I mean you have to have so many amazing experiences just driving around the place and seeing all the amazing graffiti I know people are like what graffiti that's bad I'm like dude I saw Stevie Wonder painted on the side of a bridge and he was <laughs> playing a piano and the notes were coming off and make exploding into different animals I was like that's fucking art I don't care who you are 
Yeah, no, they're painted all across the city. And um, I love the ones I'm um, down in the Italian market. I love uh, the one by the Schuylkill, which has all of the Philadelphia famous like baseball players. I don't know them in Italy, but it's still amazing. And, you know, Graffiti Pier and even some of the events that we've done on the food truck, like the punk rock flea markets, you really, it, it really gives you a, uh, a look in like a nice window into um, the creative scene in Philadelphia and surrounds. And it, it really is amazing. Uh, a couple of the shirts that we uh, got made were made by a local artist, did an artwork for us with the food truck, uh, you know, with City Hall in the background and did like a custom piece for it. Even the packaging that we did, um, the, the, the images that were um, printed on the Spirito boxes uh, were done by an artist at one of those markets. And uh, yeah, no, we, we definitely try to, you know, incorporate that into the business too, because, you know, like us in a lot of ways, you know, we're all creative in our own way and we love to support each other. And that's why I think, um, yeah, I've really come to like Philadelphia too, because of the creative scene for sure. What would you say would be your most memorable experience doing the food truck? I would probably say doing uh, Governor's Ball Music Festival up in New York City. Uh, that was a festival that I always looked at. Like, I don't know, but from Australia, when you think of New York, if you do something in New York, you think you made it, you know? Perhaps not to people that live here, but to people abroad, like, it, there's, there's, there's just this, you know, this feeling about it. And when I was there with my team, singing a crazy line with tens of thousands of people swarming past you. It was a really rewarding feeling just to, just to think that, you know, like, you know, I've got these great people around me. We've just sold our product and sold a ton of it. Everyone loved it. And we're able to see amazing musical acts. And I just, I just, I just felt great. And yeah, unfortunately we can't do that this year because everything's been canceled, but it makes it even more special looking back at something like that um in those moments for sure i think like the best part for like if i had to think of if i owned a food truck probably the amount of people you get to meet but really like just being able to kind of be free i mean you're not limited to a building you're i mean you got your truck and everything you got that but i mean just the amount that like oh i could just drive off and go wherever if i want to set up at a <laughs> beach location i can set up wherever and i mean it's probably the hardest part too is obviously dealing with the people mostly like the variety of customers probably change on a day-to-day -day basis like oh this spot was amazing this day and then you come back like the next week or something and it's not as popular you know you get a different crowd of people i mean i work at a gym right next to the beach so we're coming huh. in contact every single day with like random people one day you'll get nothing but old people just coming in just the regulars the next thing you know you're getting like they're literally a car pulled up i'm like these guys are exactly what you would consider stereotypical gym people you know getting out of the car walking like they're you know like a penguins or something <laughs> with like snapbacks yeah. and they they pulled up in a mercedes i was like not these i know they're gonna come right in here walk right in so can i get a day pass i was like i freaking knew you were gonna ask that one you tell from a mile away man yeah no i think uh you know yeah absolutely like the people that you meet while working is, is just is just great you know especially when you're part of people's memorable experiences like weddings and graduation parties and you know we did a bridal shower the other day and like i bought all these plants for the table set up this grazing table that we did and after it I, you know i said to the bride to be i was like hey like you, know, you want to take one of these ferns home you know it's like a like a little memory of you know your great bridal shower that you had a little thing and she was just overjoyed by that and 
I just felt like, you know, you really do have the opportunity, like you said, to, to be able to do those kind of things that you might not be able to do otherwise. And I think that's definitely what I guess, you know, keeps, it keeps me doing this because just of how many great people you kind of meet along the way, it's kind of like a journey. And it's just, I don't know. You just don't know what you're going to like come across. No, exactly. Right. Well, have you ever had any crazy experiences? Well, I'll, I'll be honest. Recently we've been having crazy experiences on the truck, particularly around like the way we wear masks. Um, oh shit. And, dude. Uh, I, I had yeah. a feeling that was going to be one. I was like, I was thinking that you were going to say something about like, yeah, we had this crazy, but honestly dude it's gotten nuts with the mask thing i mean i don't want to i didn't mean to cut you off but no that's dude, fine it's it's getting insane i i talked about it when it first started happening i was like it's not republican or democrat anymore it's mask or no mask and like i've seen videos on facebook of businesses like you're not you don't have a mask you can't come in here and people are like, what are you talking about i just got let in down there it's like this is a part where owners business owners just need to step up and be like no fuck off i'm sorry mm. i know that sounds like it's always pleasure for the people it's always like oh the customer's always right we've been thinking like that for way too long and that's not always <laughs> true man i'm telling you dude there's some people like I, I do i mean i work at the front desk so i'm like i'm sitting there there'll be some people like you know people in here aren't wearing masks i'm like get the what the f like if you're coming to a gym and you're that worried about covid then why are you coming to a gym like that's yeah. the one place you wouldn't want to go it's just like i think we just we've been getting away with too much for too long and i'm like now it's just time for business owners like you just to snap people in their place like what do you want me to do what do you want me to do yeah no absolutely and um it's it's really around managing people's expectations like you said going somewhere not having to wear a mask and then coming to us and us telling you to wear a mask and it's literally you know people outside your truck a group of five people coming over ordering refusing to order from their phone when we ask them to you know, wanting to pay with cash, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's fine. You can do it. Sure. It's your right to do so. But, you know, we're trying to put in measures in place to, you know, to not be in this situation where myself and a bunch of other people don't have jobs because we're locked down. We know how that feels and we don't want to do it again. I think a lot of people um, may not experience um, uh, because maybe their work doesn't require it. Maybe they don't know someone that works in the food industry, perhaps. And that kind of stuff really, really, um, yeah, is, is, is hard to manage because after that group of five people that come, there'll be, you know, someone that doesn't like the way we're wearing our mask. And of course, you've got to cover your whole face, but we literally had a customer the other day crying because we were not taking it as like, because it was, we're actually cleaning up. We're cleaning up the truck, weren't even serving food, cleaning down the grills. And we had someone um, upset and they completely, you know, have their right to be upset because, you know, like, you know, I've also got to understand that people are immunocompromised. They have family that are working in the hospitals and all that kind of stuff. But managing people's expectations, that's definitely been the craziest thing to deal with because now, you know, I'm revisiting all of the most recent guidelines, the CDC with the Philadelphia Health Department. And going through that with my staff again, because it seems like you have to do that every single week, not only to refresh myself and, 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 you know, my staff, but also kind of just remind them like what their rights are. If someone's being a jerk and not wearing a mask and putting their head over into the window, you have a legal right to not serve them. And it's stuff like that, which has really been, um, I guess really been that that's actually the reason, um, 
this podcast that we were meant to do is a bit delayed because I had to do, deal with that this morning and that pushed back my ability to go shopping in the morning and then I wasn't able to prep and then we, our truck went out this evening. Like, it's just, a, it's that kind of, like people don't realize that, you know, just wearing a mask and making a comment about it's, it. It's can so make much stuff. more than what you're, what you're explaining because the whole fact is, you know how fucking hot it gets in a kitchen? You know how fucking hot it is outside when you're on a food truck and that is literally, you know, you're cooking in heat that it's hot outside and you have a mask over your face? Dude, yep. our AC went out in the gym. I had a mask on my face. I'm sitting there for eight hours with this thing. At some point, I had to pull the shit down like, all right, dude, I got to breathe because I'm sweating all up in this thing and it's not helping me out at all. Absolutely. I, I can't believe I didn't mention that. It's literally 110 degrees in there on a 99 degree day with a grill, grill and chicken and beef. I mean, you know, I, I pre like pretty much we just have to take more breaks. That's that's all you can do in a, in a food truck where people can see everything that you do. I, I'm really confused because I'm seeing uh, like not to get all, you know, into, you know, COVID and all that stuff, but there's outdoor restaurants with 150 people sitting in it. There's chefs on Instagram in Philadelphia making food in their kitchen without their mask on. I just don't know what to, like, what's what the standard is, you know? It's, uh, and even what, with what you said at the gym, it's, it's every single person that has to work right now. And a lot of people that are working from home, quite frankly, aren't able to empathize with that. Yeah. It seems like, um, I think when everything kind of shut down, we got to realize who the essential workers are. Uh, yeah. when people are considered grocery stores and all this stuff they don't know what these people go through i mean it's not easy wearing a mask 24 7 i know so many people that complain about other people wearing masks and then as soon as they walk outside they take their mask off i'm like you were just yelling for 15 minutes about this <laughs> like what's happening here and yeah. you know obviously we don't have to get down the whole covid route but you know right. if i was going to ask you when it comes to why you cook the food you cook you said it was an initial inspiration kind of from like your mom in a way now what's a distinct memory that you have so um so rice paper rolls they're wrapped in rice paper they're like rice paper rolls vietnamese rice paper rolls like my favorite thing in the world to eat and my mom's korean so there was a bit of a fusion aspect of that so we'd make these vietnamese rice paper rolls with like korean barbecue beef and pork and i have vivid memories growing up and even even still to this day you know, at the family dinner table with the Korean side of my family, piles of meat, piles of vegetables, kind of like a DIY taco night, but with rice paper rolls. And we'd all make our own rice paper rolls. It was fresh. It was healthy. And I'd argue it's the reason I got into eating my vegetables because it is just so delicious. Um, and that memory and the fact that I eat it all the time, not just because I, you know, am doing this business right now, but even before that, it, it was just something I love to do. I would chop vegetables up, have three days of prep, and just eat it every single day. And um, I never knew that it would be a business that I would start based on that memory and that kind of experience in that Korean, Australian, you know, Asian influenced beachy kind of lifestyle um, household. But it turned out, you know, that business idea that I always wanted was right under my nose. And that was just based on that experience and that memory that I really do cherish. And that's a food you really don't have to adapt to with like the new health uh, stuff that people are trying to be more health conscious when it comes to their food. It's, it's a lot of, it's just like lettuce, vegetables and stuff too, just surrounded by meat. I mean, you can get like a beef taco and, or you could get a chicken taco. You can get a vegetable taco, you know, there's always these different types of styles of food you can get. I mean, 
we look at something like, oh, if you're going to do barbecue, okay, that's something that's going to need to be shifted when it comes to a healthy society. Cause a lot of millennials are like, that's not vegan. You're like, oh no, it's not <laughs> at all. It's the opposite of vegan, but like you can make a yeah. burrito vegan. I mean, some of my best nights were like, make your own taco night at my grandparents' house to the point yeah. like, okay, put whatever you want on your taco, then you can eat it. Well, I'm sitting there, I dump like 80 pounds of beef, some vegetables, tomatoes in there, <laughs> and you can't even close the fucking taco where you're trying yeah. to like turn in, like my grandma knows how to fold it into a burrito. I just fold like a taco and try and eat that with everything's falling all off the plate and stuff. I'm like, that's a food I could eat every day. I mean, I don't yeah. know about most people, but like you can't eat barbecue every day without going into like stomach cancer or something. Oh, uh, yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, that's, I mean, that just hearing that and like the memories you have and that emotion that you had with it is exactly, I guess, what I was saying about the rice paper rolls and, you know, making it a, with my family and my cousins and stuff. I mean, it is something special. And I think sharing that experience and when people that don't eat like that, like you do, that might be just living on, you know, barbecue and, you know, for whatever reason that might be, um, when they try your food and they have that, like that feeling like, whoa, like I can eat this more often. That's, like seeing that reaction and, you know, getting feedback from people. I mean, that's, that's all so important. And another re big reason why I guess I do what I do. And I think a lot of, uh, yeah, I think, I think the fact that it's like, you know, healthy, healthier food as well, just really allows me to want to sell it a lot more, you know, I won't feel guilty about it. How do you, um, have you noticed that like people are starting to eat and care and kind of put a little bit more time into the experience now that we're kind of like opening back up a little bit? It seemed like for a long time, people were just like eating and not really paying attention to what they were eating. Such as like, I mean, as a kid, I, I, I will admit, I, whenever I went out with my grandparents, I was always on my phone. I totally didn't take in the memories like I should have. Um, and now that I'm older and I haven't done it in years. Um, I look back at those things. I'm like, damn, what I wouldn't kill for a night at Applebee's again, just to hear my grandfather say the same fucking story over and over again. I'm like, I've heard it, but say it again, you know, like, I feel like opening back up, like people are starting to want to have this going out to eat nights and have that experience, that chit chat that we always were so afraid of seems so valuable now. Yeah. I think it has really made people realize just how important like socializing is, but also over like a, a good meal. Um, and I think that uh, this, you know, this year has seen, you know, a few different cycles of people you know, cooking at home, people buying meal kits. And now it's got to a point where I guess that's exhausted and people do want to eat out. And that's why you see lines wrapped around the block, you know, for places that have outdoor seating. It's like a hot commodity right now. Um, I do really think that while customers and while people, including me and you who, you know, eat out and at restaurants, I, I guess we are having that realization now and kind of picking and choosing, you know, what restaurants, you know, that we want to support and have, have been there for us in our, you know, on our birthdays and our good times. And, you know, that have that bartender that you really got along with or the server that, you know, you know, just really took care of you. Um, but I also think on the other end for like businesses like us with the food truck, really taking time to make that customer experience, you know, really seamless, uh, you know, adding an extra side of our really popular peanut sauce and asking every customer, like, do you, would you like to try it? It's great. You know, it'll, it'll make your wrap or your salad so much better. Like taking that extra kit, like step, you know, to everyone that comes in contact is like, 
you know, I, I feel like we have to do that. It has to be personal. It has to be memorable. You, every interaction is an opportunity for them to come back in a time when it's so hard to convince people to come out of their house. Um, and in addition to that, like, um, you know, stapling, you know, client notes on the bags of people that do takeout because, you know, it's, it's a nice little gesture and it's memorable. So on our, and even like, you know, the ordering system, making sure it's seamless, making sure that if people are order on Instagram, it's only like three clicks away. You don't want them going through, you know, 10 different websites, you know, to figure like all that kind of stuff from our point of view is stuff that we may not have focused on in a normal operating busy world. But now it's almost like every interaction is so precious. And I think on both ends, it's, it's really nice to see that right now stuff is opening up. And I hope that um, when it comes to people being served and businesses, uh, you know, that are really putting time into, uh, you know, their service food quality, I hope that um, the overall um, experience for everyone just will be great. And you are able to have those great experiences whenever you dine out. I mean, it is an that is a very idealistic thing to say, but with the businesses that are doing really well right now, I, I, I do feel that personal touches are so important. Now, if I was going to ask, like, have you had any crazy ideas for new things, such as like food wise, when it comes to the menu, have you thought about maybe trying something that you don't know if it's going to work yet, or it's not a hundred percent there? Ooh, um, this is going to sound very odd for a Philadelphia food truck, but recently we added cheesesteaks to our menu okay. so we were going out to all of these neighborhoods and apartment blocks and you know a cheesesteak is something i kind of said i'd never sell on the truck it's paper mill fresh asian kitchen it's not alex's hoagies and cheesesteaks it kind of doesn't fit on the menu however recently as we've been doing breweries i was trying to we were going to apartment blocks where there are kids and families the cheesesteak seems to be just this odd thing i just never thought i'd sell so it probably isn't the answer you're expecting, but um, that's definitely one thing. And the other thing I'd say is meal kits. Meal kits. That, that experience that I was telling you about, you know, with all these vegetables, all these meats, all these sauces kind of mixing and matching your own rice paper rolls, we've actually got a kit for that. So essentially you can order a kit and then within 20 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever app you um, order it on, you can have that experience that I just told you about where you're making Dude. your own rice paper rolls. No yeah, freaking so. way. You're making like our own taco night using your ingredients though. That's awesome, yeah. man. That gives people so much like an easier way instead of going to the store and getting all the ingredients and then setting it up at home, just being able to get your own kit and be able to make it at your house. Yep. And that's um, I can sick. I think that's something I've always wanted to do it, but when it's it, but when you don't have time, like literally, you know, in a regular business, like of going to food truck festivals, it's almost like you don't even have the opportunity to sit down and think about this stuff, but that would probably be one thing I'm proud of that, you know, me and, you know, my team have really like just commercialized if you want to put it that way. But we've been out, we, we sold a couple of them. We sell a couple of them each day. It's uh, and it's good to know that, you know, and there's a nice little instruction sheet and we've got a couple of pictures of um, like instructions of how to roll the rice paper rolls and, you know, the story of my mom showing me how to do it. And it's, it's really personal. And that's another example of, I guess, a way to reach customers and make it a memorable experience, not just a transactional 
make it a relatable business. I think what really kind of gets me about a lot of these Mm. corporates is the fact when I look at them, I see a sign, I see a, I see a suit, I see a, you know, a a giant CEO building. I don't see a family. I don't see an experience. I don't see a person I can relate to. That's why all these corporate people have to make mascots. So you have something to relate to. It's like, hang (laughs) on a second. I want to be able to relate to who I'm buying from. Now, if I was yeah. going to ask you about your list of ingredients, what do you, what do you typically work with? Yeah, so um, in general, just as an overview of the menu, we do our spring roll burritos, the burritos, salads, hoagies, and on the truck we do tacos and whatnot. But in general, it's pretty much proteins, like really good proteins, Korean barbecue, like thinly sliced beef in a, like a sweet soy marinade, slow cooked pork in like a hoisin sambal, like a sweet and kind of a bit of spiciness um, in the marinade grilled chicken with garlic and lemongrass. And we have vegan options like tofu and avocado as the proteins. Beyond that, it's just really great quality um, ingredients with salads, you know, spring mix, cabbage, pineapple, uh, carrots, uh, cilantro, Thai basil, mint, and really good sauces as well to really bring it out. A lot of the time when you eat a salad or a hoagie, the sauce can be single-handedly the only reason why that dish is good. So we have like a spicy peanut sauce which everyone always requests with their meal that they get like an avocado thai basil vinaigrette um like a sweet soy vinaigrette and stuff like that um which is all in the asian theme um but the flavors are kind of like very similar but are spread across you know the diverse wraps hoagies and salads um so yeah i just think really good quality ingredients really good proteins and like delicious sauces and that's like really the key to our food i was thinking when we were talking about giving away the food at like the end of the night maybe like to like being able to donate it or something else like i feel like the one food homeless people wouldn't want is the avocado like i'll fucking starve <laughs> like you know like I'm, like i'm good i'll pass on that but i was yeah. thinking of a burrito idea or like if you could like make little tiny spring rolls like you would normally get and then be able to take one spring roll, dice it up into like eight small little pieces. And then you drizzle it on like an actual like taco that's filled with like chicken, a little bit of rice, a little bit of lettuce, a little bit of tomato, maybe a bean paste. Um, and then a little bit of salsa on there. Maybe add a little bit of hot sauce and then put those little diced up spring rolls in there with like, dude, you put some El Queso or a little bit of melted cheese in there, man. Dude, get your life together, son. There's some people out there that would love that. I wonder what we'd call that, dude. Probably like the the Tuckerito or something. <laughs> the taco. Oh, damn. I don't know, but that sounds like a really good idea. It you never know. Be. You might see it on the truck now. I might do it with Bobby. How about that? <laughs> it's it's called the No Avocado Burrito. That's what it's the called. No-, <laughs> no avocados here. That's that's fine. You know, more avocados for the rest of the millennial avocado hungry fiends out there i'm telling you man the fact that bobby likes it had me question him for a minute i was like you've given me such good advice and then you're gonna toss me out the fact that you love avocado he's like you don't like avocado i don't think you've had it the way i've had it let me make it for you i'm like i don't care what you make it on as soon as you put avocado on there it's like the scene from spongebob where he picks up that chip that's been in the corner yeah three years and he puts his tongue on it and his whole face shrinks up i was like that's me and an avocado um, do you like guacamole? You know what? Like not, with the wood tortilla chip? Not really. I okay. I haven't found anything. For some reason, I like wasabi though. Oh yeah, we I go to town on that. I, I I mean, do you like wasabi as in like it's a nice you know taste, or do you like that hit when it goes up your nose? I like that hit. 
Yeah, same. Dude, let me tell you something. <laughs> At my gym, they have um, they had this container and it had a, it had like it looked like um, you ever seen Anchorman where they have this the Sex Panther cologne? It, oh it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked like the bottle had the panther on the front, and I was like, "What, what? the fuck's this?" And then there's a sticky note on it that says, "Do not smell it," like I did. And then there's like an LOL, and I was like, "Well, that's like." wiping your ass with your hand and then not smelling your hand to see if it smells like shit. I was like, I'm gonna, I got to fucking smell this. I got to smell the salts. So I grab the container and as I'm screwing it off, it makes a click noise. And I'm like, I hope this isn't like a bug bomb. So then I sniff it. Okay. So giving you the background information behind what this was before I knew what it was, like when I sniffed it, the person that put the note on there said that because we have power lifters that come into our gym and they go very, very serious. So this guy makes his own smelling salts. And what he would do is you smell these salts and they hit you with such a strong smell. It gets your adrenaline going like caffeine and you're able to lift more. Dude, I smelled this thing. I thought someone took a shotgun, put it in my nose, and fucking pulled the trigger, man. I felt like Whoa. my nose, I had a stuffy nose. Nuh-uh, cleared. Literally, I went and pulled my head back. Dude, I have never, like, you know, people rub Vaseline or the whatever it is yeah, under, yeah. Their, under their nose. This thing cleared my sinuses. I, I felt it in my brain. I was like, I could see where someone could sniff this and then bench press like 800 pounds, dude, because I was messed up for like a good 20 minutes afterwards. And the guy's Whoa. like, yeah, those things are so potent. If anybody's like knocked down in here, you can put that render there. It'll probably bring them back to life. I was like, no freaking way. What, smelling salts? So smelling salts, when people get knocked out, um, they put this little salt, like a little powder, like kind of like, um, yeah, it's basically like salt you put on like your steps, basically. Oh. But it smells so strong that if you're knocked out, you sniff it and it wakes you up. A lot, they wake up fighters that way. They put it like in a little thing and they put it under their nose. But this was so much of it in a small container <laughs> that like doing that, like I could take the top off and then just hold it in the air and you could smell through the whole gym. But dude, wow. I thought someone killed me. I felt like a bullet <laughs> go in my brain, dude. I was like, this is how you get people like attracted to stuff. Like, clean your palate before you come eat at our food truck. Sniff it yeah. and the pair's a holy shit. <laughs> it's like the it's like the new moisture towel that instead of like wiping your hands, you're like smelling this smelling salt. I mean, that that's a new frontier. I've never heard of that. I'm actually gonna look it up. Um, There's, well, if you look at places like uh, Chinese restaurants, they serve a fortune cookie because it's supposed to be a palate cleanser, but a lot of people don't know it like ah. that. So basically, it's so blank and taste is supposed to clean because I mean, you're getting so such a variety of flavors, people are just eating and not enjoying the actual taste. I'm like, if you create a burrito, that's a combination like the one I mentioned. I mean, you want people just to taste the clear taste of that thing. You don't want people, you know, you want it to be where they're getting the full experience, not just the camaraderie behind it, but also really taking in the food, which I'm hoping a lot of people are going to do now. I mm. think as people, you know, you just need, we just need to slow down. I mean, you as a, you know, a chef, for instance, when you're seeing somebody come up to your food truck, order something, you know, I'm going to be that guy that's going to tell you, hey, I don't know what's good. So make it how you would make it. And I'm putting my mm. trust in you to make me a burrito. I do the same thing at Chipotle. Make it how you would. If it's good, I like it. Cool. If you know if it's Facts. bad, then it's my it's my bad. But you know what? I'm gonna take that risk because we're so comfortable with everything we choose from. It's like just try something extraordinary. Yeah, for sure. No, I think that uh people are probably seeking that out these days now that uh, social media seems to be uh, pushing out every new food. I think we 
have almost become conditioned to like want that stuff. I think as long as you've got an Instagram, you're definitely seeing new foods coming out. And if you have that nearby, I'd say you're, you're probably going to try it and you see it in so many different things. And, um, you know, that I, I'm totally with you on that. I love trying new stuff. It's, um, it's, I, I really want to try those smelling salts now. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm gonna telling lie. you, you don't. <laughs> Well, I should have listened to that note. I smelled it. And then like my manager walked around. He's like, dude, I left a note on that thing telling you not to smell it. And you smelled it. And I just tossed out the wiping your ass thing. And he was like, yeah, good point. Good point. I was like, dude, I'm telling you, you tell me not to do something. I'm probably going to do it. Hey, hey, I guess, you know, for next time though. But it's all um, an adventure. But I'm telling you, if you want to kill anybody or if you want to get anybody away from your truck, you just put these smelling salts in their face. They're done. I, I never in my life, I swear to God, as a good prank, I would dump that on somebody's steps and just watch <laughs> them walk outside and pass out. Damn, that's, um, <laughs> well, hey, I mean, it's the name of the burrito, Sex Panther. There you go. Well, that would be a good name. It'll get people's attention. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what you got to do. You got to have it so edgy to the point where people are like, I would like to try that Sex Panther. Yeah, for sure. Well, no. Alex, I think I've wasted enough of your time here, but, no. <laughs> but please promote your uh, Instagram page, promote any social media, promote any links you want to let people know where they can find paper mill. And if they're out in the Philadelphia area where you tend to hang around. Yeah. So we're based in Philadelphia. I would just say, find us on Instagram, paper mill foods, P uh, yeah, paper mill foods on Instagram. And from there, I mean, just like everyone else, you'll find exactly what you want to find out about us. We've got YouTube videos. We've got a website. You can inbox us for catering. You can send us a DM. If you just want to say hi to me, just send a DM. That's all you got to do. Paper mill foods on Instagram. And I'll make sure I link everything in the description. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of out of the blank podcast and stay tuned for our next episode.